0: back trust me we back in this corner with brian campbell returns with the mma edition as we never come whack on an old school track with that syringe full of performance enhancing audio the brian campbell in fact the voice that you hear and if you thought i was referencing the great anderson silva's catchphrase to open the show you would in fact be correct i back trust me i back And the legendary Spider himself is not only back when it comes to the resolution of his USADA case and an expected return to the Octagon later this year at age 43. He's back on this show for an interview to close this episode that you simply won't want to miss as Silva talks everything from a GSP super fight to his reaction to Daniel Cormier saying that Anderson can't be included in the greatest of all time debate because of his drug history. In addition, your boy, my boy, the money weight champion of the world, King Mo Mohamed Lawal will join me to recap all things UFC Calgary, including what's next for the likes of Dustin Poirier, Jose Aldo, Joanna Young Jacek, and preview this Saturday's UFC 227 card from Los Angeles, including a very mouth-watering main event as TJ Dillashaw and former champ Cody Garbrandt take part in a weight title rematch. Man, am I fired up for that. That that match right there smells damn good. It has a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Oh, yeah. We'll be talking plenty of O'Connor-McGregor as well as we run through the latest MMA news cycle. But once more, I need to remind you that this week, as you listen to this show, if you hear something today that you, in fact, like... If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Great review, guys. It takes just about 60 seconds. Put a nice review in there, a nice paragraph about why you love King Mo tickling the inside of your eardrums in the park or not.
1: You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Oh,
0: how dare you? How dare you? Leave us that review. It'll go a long way in the idea of the ITC conquering the audio revolution in the fight sports area. You know, you're already getting Strong episodes in the world of boxing this week as we chat with Andre Berto and Shane Mosley and, of course, in pro wrestling on our Wednesday show. So do your part to help this show continue to advance. And a reminder, you know you deserve something special. Every morning when you wake up, when you pull the covers off, you grab that cell phone. Man, you got to check your texts, your DMs, your snaps, if you will. I also want you to get the best highlights and the biggest sports stories right in your in-hole, in your inbox every morning with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. What's that? all? you know what that is. CBS Sports HQ, of course, is your live streaming 24-7 network. You can get it on your phone, on your computer, stream it to your TV. But now they want to give you that good stuff every morning in your inbox to start your day. Everything you need to know about sports, stories from your boy, Big C, videos, talking about the biggest fights and more across all sports just go to cbsports.com/hqdaily to subscribe i am fired up to give you this episode man king mo anderson silva what else do you need ah uh, oh man I'm, I'm i'm fresh from the barbershop and fly from the studio, from the salon there with a haircut i'm ready i'm feeling good
1: i like my hair i like my hair
2: the mamacitas like I guess, my hair. Yeah, Brazilian yeah. yeah. mamacitas like my hair.
0: Well, that is that is also true. But with the nonsense, the business out of the way, let's get to the good stuff. You know what I'm talking about? MMA royalty coming your way. Enjoy. Oh yeah, we are back. You're listening to the Brian Campbell and King Mohammed, King Mo the Bellator Lineal money weight Champion. King Bo, it's another week in the life of MMA. We got fights to review, fights to preview, a lot of crap in between. How are you on this glorious Monday morning in South Florida?
1: Uh, I'm great, man. You know, uh, it, looks like, it looks like it's going to rain again like always. We're in hurricane season, so every day it rains, but it's all good.
0: All right, you're you're are, have you are you a uh, conformed South Florida man? Is this your is it in your blood now, or do you feel like you're itching to get out?
1: Uh, I I like it, you know. what I'm saying uh, I'm not itching to get out because the weather's good. I wear shorts and t-shirts, twenty four seven, three sixty five. It's it's warm out here, man. All right, I could I see
0: you to... living in like San Diego. I could see the king, you know, setting up shop around there.
1: San Diego, it's cool. It's it's cool. It's just kind of. Not much of a culture thing there. There's no culture there. It's like MTV, you know. Everything is MTV. So I like it here. You see, it's a little different here.
0: King Mo, before we get into MMA, your boy, heavyweight boxer Luis, the real King Kong Ortiz, came back over the weekend in L. A. and served up a slice of uh, steal your soul from this six foot seven dude, Razjan Kojanu. what do you what'd you think about Ortiz's performance
1: there? Oh, uh, it was nasty. That right hook, straight left. Because yeah, Johnny was trying to clown in the first round, but when he landed that that right hook, straight left, it was nasty, man. It was game over. That was devastating.
0: He looks, he does. Luis Ortiz does look like the oldest thirty-nine year old of all time. Last week, I turned forty. I look about two decades younger than Luis Ortiz, but I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe he's thirty-nine. I don't care if he's forty-eight. The guy's fun to watch. I want to see him back in a title
1: fight. Yeah, I have a feeling that he'll be fighting Deontay Wilder next. Wow. I, the reason why I say that is because. You see him fighting guys that are tall. His, before he fought Deontay, last time I was there in Miami, the guy he fought was from West Virginia, or Virginia, I believe. West Virginia. He was six nine, and Lewis uh, stopped him with a body shot, or an uppercut. Deontay lost. This time, he fought, he fought a guy that's like six six seven six eight, and Just like Deontay. You're doing it for a reason, and I heard that PBC or Al Heyman picked the opponent because Anthony Joshua might be might – be, I have a feeling next year, Anthony Joshua and Deontay will fight till the end of next year.
0: Well, if you look at the, uh, you know, Dillian White just won over the weekend, and that's Joshua's old amateur rival, and the guy who hurt Joshua in one of his early fights, and it turned into a brawl, he, he won against Joseph Parker, so you have to believe if you're Eddie Hearn. You, you have reasons to stay away from Deontay for a while, although we woke up this morning to find out British promoter Frank Warren's trying to make a Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight. So there's a lot of mayhem coming in that division. It's worth watching indeed, King. I'm fired up. I get fired up about heavyweight (laughs) boxing because we had too much Klitschko in the, uh, too much Klitschko on the timeline for about a decade there. No disrespect to the brothers, but it was a very boring decade in heavyweight boxing. You can agree with that. You have to agree with that.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, like now there's no one in control. It's a plane that's flying. We don't know where it's going to crash. We're just waiting for it to crash. Before, they had two pilots in Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko. So they could be like, Hey, we're not going to crash. We're going to fight a Germany, fight a Germany, fight there. We're going to fight a Russia, they fight in Russia, fight there. Now, you know, they're, they're out. They got kicked out. They got, they got booted from the cock, you know, the, the pilot spot. And now, um, we're trying to find somebody to take control now. I oh, hear you. Now, hey, if you, if the Klitschko's had fought a decade earlier in the nineties when it
0: was, there was a gluttonous amount of active, amazing, brawling heavyweights, do you think they would have been as successful against the, the prime Riddick Bows and Vander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis uh, Mike Tyson, on and on?
1: Hmm, I, I honestly think no, because there's one name you didn't mention, Ike Ibeabuchi. Oh,
0: my man, would yes, have, <laughs> the
1: president. Was that his nickname, yeah, the president? The pres- the pres- yep. the president would have smashed them, like just too much power, too much volume, Rock hard chin. I know. Great will. Oh man, he was crazy Ooh.
0: though, and he and he you know and he went to jail for a long time for some bad things. It's too bad because yeah. when that guy sent when he when he outpointed David Tua, it was like whoa. And then when he sent, I think was it Chris Bird he sent to hell with that uppercut. It was like Chris this guy's for real. Wow, that was a good time. That was a good time. Those days feel like they're coming back just a little. But King Mo MMA this past week UFC Calgary. I was fired up for this card, even though in reality, we're being honest, it's a three. It was a three fight card. The rest of the fights, not much to offer you there. Maybe we saw a couple of good finishes, but really, who cares? It was three fights. But those three fights pretty much delivered. Very enjoyable Saturday night. And by the way, it ended just in time to watch Mikey Garcia and Robert Easter. So hey, hey fight promoters, can we try to stagger a little? I love these 8 p.m. Eastern Fox start fights. But you predicted your boy, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, was going to be way too much for Eddie. You even predicted he's gonna one day be too much for Habib Nurmagomedov. We'll get to that in a second. But in the rematch, Poirier second round TKO Eddie Alvarez. Your takeaways, King Mo? Uh,
1: I'm gonna be real with you. That's a good performance by Dustin. Back him a C. Ooh, why? You know, why? I, well, like he fought smart, but I think he could got him out of there the first, got him out there sooner. I feel like he gave up too many positions with the takedowns and got mounted against the cage and. He he seemed like laxative. You know that you know it was a good fight by Dustin, but he seemed like kind of too like too relaxed almost, like ho hum almost. If you watch him, like the the fire wasn't really there. But one thing I did like is when Dustin had him hurt, he didn't smother himself. At times it seemed like he was gonna go get close and get in the range to get clipped, but he kind of stayed composed. Um, uh, what I didn't like is when he a, a, a few times he did fall in. But he was but he was, act, he was active with his head. I wish he went to the body more, but he didn't have to because, you know, the um, guy was de- dead to rights.
0: Hey, his jab, yeah. though, Poirier from the southpaw stance, the boxing was on point because you saw, yeah. uh, well, he finished the fight with, like, a fuselage of, like, absurd knees, elbows, like, forearms. But before that, when he really hurt Eddie, it was like a stiff jab and then, like, yeah. seven consecutive unanswered jabs. I liked his boxing there. I like how he worked in lead left hands at times, and he used his youth Length, speed. He used all of his advantages and he didn't get into one of those Eddie Alvarez, King of the Underground Wars.
1: Yeah, um, the the crazy thing is, there are a few times where Justin actually stunned uh, um, Eddie Alvarez, the straight left, a counter straight left. You know, um, I I don't know. It was a good performance, but I think that Justin could have smashed him out sooner. You know, he just seemed more relaxed today school. If you just watch him, he seemed more relaxed today school, but more than anything, that was a good thing because when he's fired up, you know, he could fall in and make some mistakes.
0: Well, the, it's weird how this fight played out a lot like the first one in that the first round very tactical, but Dustin kind of controlled it. No one really had too many big moments. And then the second round quickly turned into fireworks, turned into mayhem. Poirier largely dominated, but Eddie had his moments where he turned the tide and the specifically when he, when he put on the neck crank on Poirier and then when after Dustin breaked out, Eddie has a dominant position. Dustin sitting with his back to the cage. Eddie on his knees on top. You're expecting the ground and pound. And just like the first fight, we have another controversial, dirty, foul moment when Eddie Alvarez drops that illegal 12-6 to 6 elbow, which afterwards, King, while you watch the tape, there's somebody over Dustin's corner, over his shoulder, in Eddie's corner, screaming, elbow, elbow. The, the narrative now is that, hey, Eddie, you had a chance to finish him. You had a chance to win the fight. What the heck are you dropping a 12 to 6 for? Are you just a dirty dude? What's going on here? Explain what may have happened there in his mind.
1: Well, I think that he saw people doing this, but usually people go like this. You're a little arcing. Because this is legal. This is illegal. This is legal. A little arc. But to me, honestly, this and this will feel about the same. Because this was pretty much made illegal because people saw those power guys and breaking blocks of ice, you know, and breaking six, <laughs> you know, stones, 12 to six, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. but in, real, in actuality, this is not going to hurt nobody, but, but
0: Hey, John Jones was, lost a fight with a 12, yeah. six
1: Eddie, all Eddie got
0: was a warning and a stand-up.
1: Yeah. And so the thing is like, Eddie should knew the rules. 12 to six is illegal. Put a little arc in motion and tell you that in the locker room, Hey, 12 to 6 is legal, but put an arcing motion when you throw the elbow. He came up like this. You know, it had been legal, but, you know, um, that, that could have hurt him. But at the same time, I don't, what could he have done to Dustin there? Dustin would have been okay. Dustin's a black belt. Dustin gets mounted every time in practice. He trains from there. I watched him. No one really does much to him. No one submits him in practice much. Dustin would have found a way to win anyway, what? personally. Me. Speaking.
0: Let's talk about that 12 to 6 for a second. Is that an archaic MMA rule at this point, or, or is that a, a safety measure? How do you ju- deem that in 2018
1: that that's still an illegal blow? It's stupid. You know, I, honestly, they're talking about safety, right? And they worry about our safety, but then if they worry about our safety, why do they let us fight in the cage?
0: Or <laughs> why do you let a spinning <laughs> elbow, which could take out an eyeball, right? I mean, yeah. come on.
1: Yeah, or spinning heel kick. You allow that. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, they allow head kicks. But knees, like, you know, all, so like, come on, they should allow knees to that opponent. They should allow 12 to 6 elbows. They should allow a lot of stuff, but, you know, because some of that stuff will put, the, make the fights end faster and the crowd might enjoy the knockout or the way they might enjoy the stoppage. But I don't know, I guess it's up to the commissions and up to the organizations to do further research to, to show that it's not too dangerous.
0: Alright, after back-to-back fouls in this, against the same opponent, do we deem, we don't deem Eddie Alvarez as a dirty dude, do we? Or do we say, two mistakes in big spots, maybe he just didn't have the right focus. How do you sort of sum up why we saw that again? Because, you know, Poirier after the fight was like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if, if this guy was just looking for a way out again. But then you're like, how is Eddie looking for a way out if he's in a dominant position? You really don't understand how that can happen twice. Both situations look like he could have won the fight.
1: Well, Hmm. I, I just think that it's a mistake. You know, um, the thing is, when you got when you get caught up in the heat of the moment, which Eddie, always fights to get caught up in the heat of the moment. Like it goes from zero to 100 real quick. I think that sometimes, you you know, you lose your mind. I think Eddie Alvarez is a lot of times he's on instinct. He fights instinctually. You know, he's the whole thing, but everything else he does is like instinct. Like he's always on like autopilot, it seems like to me. Like when he's out there fighting, he's like, all right, jab, jab. jab. Oh, hit me hard. <laughs> the Philly,
0: That Philly Bro. monster yeah. comes out of him. Yeah, you can't control the Philly coming out of him there. Uh 34 years old, uh, still an elite guy. I just don't uh, – I think we're on the other half of the mountain. I don't know if Eddie will ever get back to that level of where he just was a couple of years ago. The interesting thing, Kingmo, that kind of got buried in his loss is that Eddie fought, fought out his UFC contract with this fight. He's now essentially a free agent. So you start to say to yourself, you know, I don't have any inside information. I'm just saying you start to say to yourself, does he come back to UFC, fight another big money contract, maybe end up becoming an opponent for a lot of these guys in a loaded division? Or maybe do you, do you get Scott Coker on line one? And maybe we get a fourth Chandler fight. Maybe you maybe you, you ease into your retirement plan a little bit better in Bellator. What, what do you think about that?
1: I think really, if he's a free agent or he files or he or he fights out his contract, he should reach out to Scott Coker and just see, get a, maybe a bid war, not be a bid war. Who knows? But just go where the money is, go where you'll be treated better, go where is a good extra strategy, and who knows where it's at? I don't know where it's at because the UFC is doing different things. Who knows what? Who knows what can happen? Because he could stay there. You know, um, Habib gets hurt, Dustin fights the belt. Let's say Dustin has to have surgery. They'll have three interim belts. They might have make another interim you – know, you never know. They might have three or four interim belts. You know, He can give himself an interim belt and get a chance to fight somebody. Or they might make a belt, interim belt, and super belt because the interim champion got hurt. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? See UFC. <laughs> Too many belts. I'm just serious. <laughs> Too many yeah. belts.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, when you look at the idea, and again, we're just completely speculating of Eddie going back to Bellator, it would probably be for good money right away you're like, Oh, I'd love a fourth chandler fight. Maybe I'll see him fight a pit bull. But there's a lot of names at welterweight in Bellator. Is Eddie the type of lightweight you think that could fight in a higher weight class?
1: No, I he could, um if he was bigger bigger, but um, I don't think now the guys at built Bellator at one seventy are giants. MVPs like six three with an eighty inch reach. You know like <laughs> he used to be fighting two oh five like me. You know, he's a frame of a, a 205 or a heavyweight. You know, um, you have uh, you have Lima's a big guy, six one, six two, 6'2", walks around 200 pounds. Uh, you have uh, Lorenz Larkin, who's dynamic. You have uh, a lot – I don't know, he's just the weight – the 170's a deep weight class. But, I'm,
0: but I would like to see, Eddie, if he went to 155 in Bellator against champion Brent Primus against – Benson Henderson against Josh Thompson. There's some fights you could make there. You know, it's not a, it's interesting. Hey, it's good to be a free agent today in 2018 in MMA when, when there's money coming out of Bellator, when DAZN is filling Scott Coker's pockets. So we'll see where that goes. Dustin now certainly enters the title conversation. Certainly this is the type of victory that should elevate him to a title shot, but he resides in the busiest, craziest, absurd division in all of UFC where it's mayhem at the top where we think champion Habib Nurmagomedov is going to fight Conor McGregor later this year, but what about Tony Ferguson? What about Nate Diaz, who lingers? What about Kevin Lee? I mean, does, does this guarantee, Dustin, the next shot after Habib Connor in theory, or does this guarantee him
1: nothing? Well, let's see. He He fought four champions in a row, right? Who else has done that recently?
0: Am I missing a name? Tony Ferguson.
1: Nobody. He first, no one. And you figure you beat four champions, a former four former champions in a row, you get a title shot.
0: In the real world, but the, this is not a
1: real world anymore. Yeah, it, it's a clown world in a sense. Um, what are they going to do with Kevin Lee? Kevin Lee got a title shot, but who did he beat to get the title shot? Granted, he's a great, he's a great fighter, he deserved it. But like, if he deserved a title shot. I feel like Dustin should deserve a win as well because Dustin, in my in my opinion, at 155, has fought a tougher resume than uh, than um, than Kevin. Oh, for sure. But, I mean,
0: Kevin Lee was right place, right time. Ally Iaquinta was certainly right place, right time for a title shot. So certainly Dustin could fall into one. But if everybody's healthy and everybody's in line, you know UFC's going to call up Dustin and say, hey, we kind of need you to fight Tony Ferguson first. And then, you know, then you're in a spot where you got to pull an Ortega and stand your ground and be like, no, I'm next in line for the belt. What else do I have to do? And I like that Dustin called that out in the interview afterwards. Then he at least said, hey, Dana White, like, what else do I
1: have to do here? Well, is Tony Ferguson, he's still the champ, right? The interim champ? Uh, is
0: he? I, like, the the UFC is so corrupt with these clown belts that you don't really know if he's been stripped. First he was stripped, then he wasn't. Who knows? I mean, does the – we'll get to Colby Covington in a minute. But do interim belts even matter anymore? They never did, King Mo.
1: They never did, but at the same time, they buy them the money for you for your champion. And at the same time – they can bring in bigger pay-per-views because they all they do is champ versus champ, interim champ versus normal champion, <laughs> champ versus champ. The biggest fight in welterweight history or the biggest fight in lightweight history, champ versus champ. Oh, my gosh, it'll be amazing. And then guess what? People fall for it. Champ versus champ. But when it comes down to it, really, I feel like they should – they only champ versus champ. Let Dustin fight whoever for the belt. And then the when Dustin gets the belt, he fights the other champion, I guess. I don't know. Damn it's, champion. it's confusing.
0: I, if I'm Dustin, I just kind of linger. I watch what's going on, but I stand firm on what, what I've accomplished, and I try to just stay healthy and stay in line because you never know what, where it's going to fall to you right there. King Mo in the co-main event, we'll, we'll talk more about Lightweights in a minute yeah. in light of what's going on with Conor McGregor, but I want to get to the co-main event. This was a, an exciting fight. Holy crap. Jose Aldo walked through the fires of hell, which is the unloading barrage of punches from Jeremy Stevens to finish him via first-round TKO. And you saw the legend, by the way, 31 years old. Yes, he's a legend, an all-timer there. And Jose Aldo, celebrate like like he had won the title for the first time, crying, dancing, smiling, running in the crowd to 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 hug his wife. You know what I took from this, King Mo? That the same doubts we had about Jose Aldo coming in? He did too. He had it about himself. I don't think I felt this good watching somebody win a fight in a while. It just, you had to like what you saw there in terms of seeing him turn back time a bit and slow the roll of maybe Jose's washed.
1: Uh, Jose looked good, but I didn't see the time be reversed. I saw him get touched a little too much. I saw him react weird to shots. I saw him, like, you know, I don't know. It seemed like he was doubting himself. I could see him getting ranged because I watched him train with Mikey, Gar- Robert Garcia, and Oxnard, and I saw some of the skills once he got relaxed. But when the fight started, he looked tentative. He looked stiff. He looked concerned and worried because when, because when um, there are times that when uh, Stevens tried to make the fight a firefight, Jose backed up. But then when when Stevens took the lead and was ahead and uh, was kind of ahead in the card. Jose was like, alright, you know what? I'm coming forward. I'm gonna throw heat. And that's, and that's what, what he did it. against
0: Holloway, by the way. He went, especially that rematch, I mean, he went out on his shield. He was like, alright, I'm just going for it. Reckless almost. He did it in this fight, and somehow it worked perfectly. Like, you saw, Stevens was the guy who lit up Jose with, like, really clean shots, uppercuts, the type of shots that end fights, and then once Jose made that decision that, I'm just going for it, Suddenly it's Jeremy who – I don't know if he shot his load or whatever. It suddenly it was Jeremy who was, like, looking weary. He was cut, Like, that's the guy that just landed six unanswered shots, and now he's the one backing up. Uh, it was like one of those manly moments where Jose went all in, like in a poker game, and, and, and he had the better stuff.
1: Yeah, Jose, really when it came down to it, like, Jeremy threw a lot of stuff, and he wasn't efficient with what he was throwing. But when Jose when – when it was his turn to take over, I noticed he looked cleaner – he looked sharper and his shots honestly looked more like this.
0: are Repeat that. We just had an audio issue. His shots look like what?
1: Okay, it looked like Jose's shots, his cleaner shots, were, were affecting him, affecting Jeremy Stevens more than Jeremy Stevens' shots affecting Jose.
0: True.
1: Jose's shots, when Jose took the shots from Jeremy Stevens, they didn't hurt him, but Jose looked like he was worried. Like, oh, 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 okay. But when, when, Jeremy Stevens took the shots, Jeremy was like, whoa, okay, wow, okay. <sighs> Let me back up. That was a clean one. And that okay. was
0: interesting. because Jeremy I, it, was the guy who, on this show last week, who's like, when I touch people, they go to sleep. You know, I, I lay out MFers.
1: Yeah. And he, the thing is, he didn't land clean enough because the shots he landed, Jody Allen did a good job on the, on the cage, sl- like, you know, rolling with the shots, you know what I'm saying, slipping the shots. And Stevens was missing. He landed a few shots, but even the uppercut he threw was caught. Joe, uh, Jose Aldo's boxing defense was on point in that situation. It, 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 uh, you could tell that once he got settled in, the technique that he was he learned and he worked on came to the top and show, showcased itself. That's a
0: fair point. You know, for as much as Jeremy Stevens was evolved, and we said you know a former caveman who's kind of looking like a title contender. When the stuff hit the fan, Jose relied on the technique that got him there. Stevens got a little bit wild and reckless. Maybe, maybe ran out of gas in a, in a, in a quick moment there. And then look, that finishing body combination punching. I mean, that, that was like a boxing match type left hook to the liver. Set it up with a right hand to the side, comes back left hook to the liver. That's about as nasty a shot because Stevens is a tough dude. You saw him grimace in pain. He looked like Arturo Agati in the first Mickey Ward fight, right? Like grimace in pain, bite down hard, but could not survive it. King Mo, you've probably been hit with those in sparring. What the heck does that feel like when they hit that button on your side that takes away all of your feeling?
1: Uh, it's hard to explain. Your body, your body seizes up. You can't breathe. You can't breathe, you're spitting out, slobbering, sweating, and you're stuck. You just can't move. It's the worst feeling because you're froze. You're frozen in time, like you're paralyzed. You want to move. As a matter of fact. A great example is when you watch Del Hoya, when he fought Bernard Hopkins. Yes. Bernard Hopkins, him with that chopped liver sauce punch, right in the liver, and and you saw Del Hoya crumble, hitting the ground, like just in in pain, looking up, wanting to get up, but he can't because your body just locks up on the body shots.
0: I mean, heck of a finish there, but your original concern about Aldo when I said what you think about that is interesting because... Even though this was a victory, and a much-needed one, and an emotional one, and one that felt good to watch. The last three fights, are we watching a Jose Aldo, who's now, of course, aging? I mean, it's been a while since that decade of unbeatenness. Is he devolving into a brawler at this age? You know, Jeremy Stevens on the show last week said, Aldo never evolved. I think I can pick him apart. Are we seeing a guy who maybe that's true, who maybe got away with one here against another brawler, but has a lot he needs to work on if he's going to come back to the title level.
1: I think when it comes down to it, his technique is there. I think he might need to switch teams and get, get a fresh look because he's been with Novo and Yao for so long. So he might need to like just go you know, go to, go to Marky Garcia, go to Holland like he's been doing more often. But I, I don't think that he's devolved. I think that what's happening is people are like, you know what? Jose Aldo's technical. He's very technical. But you know what? If you make this into a firefight... We can get him out of there. Well, now I think Jose. Jose, I was like, you know what? These guys think that they can just go out there and put pressure on me and make it a firefight, and me fold, fold, and you know, and, and fall apart. I'm gonna show them I can be technical and I can brawl with the best of them. You know what I'm saying? Because when he fought when he fought Jeremy Stevens, he did brawl, but at times the brawling looked technical. You know, like he threw combos. Like he wouldn't like, huh? He jab one, two, you know, he threw right hand, left hook, or right hand, up, left hook, but he was mixing it up, mixing it up. He was throwing not wild, but he was throwing heat, but it was clean heat. I like that. I like clean heat. I like, like that. Like clean coal. All mm-hmm.
0: right, it's crazy in MMA, boxing, you know, any of these combat sports That's where that. craziness can happen. How one second, one moment can can turn somebody's career around. So I want to take you back to December twelfth, twenty fifteen, UFC one ninety four. Jose Aldo gets knocked out in 13 seconds by Conor McGregor, one of the most iconic moments of this era, King Mo. But if that left hand from Conor had not landed, what do you think the rest of that fight would have looked like? And it's a larger question of where might we be today had that fight looked different. Do you remember where you were at coming into that fight? Did you think
1: that was a Jose Aldo victory coming in? I haven't Honestly, I didn't even watch it. (laughs) Because I had a feeling like, I was like, I just didn't want like to cop in the whole hype, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna catch it, you know, right, right, I'm gonna catch it right after, um, right after it goes, right after it goes on, like, why why not I see the results on uh, ESPN? I'm gonna go check it out myself because sometimes what it tends to happen is you get caught in the moment and you you just worry about the fight itself, but I wanted I wanted to go back and see everything, so I watched the walk in, I watched the watched him call his name, and from what I saw, it looked normal, but when he went out there. Now, when the cage closed, you could see that Jose Aldo didn't take Conor serious. You could see that he kind of thought it was a joke. He like, I'm going to go out there and just run right through him because, you know, I'm Jose Aldo. And Conor had something ready for him. And that was a straight left moving backwards. Yeah. Jose Aldo came with a, a, a left hook from hell with no setup. And Conor was like, nope, not today. Boom. Good night. So
0: it's crazy to think because what that crazy finish robbed us of is finding out a fight, the answers to a fight that we had waited so long to finally see of what would happen X's and O's chess match when you match up their skills. Like what do you think would have happened had Aldo not come in and was ready to get into that 13 second firefight? Did he, would he have had the technique to, to outpoint Connor or was Connor always going to end up getting to that chin? It's such an
1: interesting debate. Well, well, personally, the first, with Connor being the bigger man, the first if it, if it if it was gonna end in the first round, it would have definitely been Connor. Conor the first two rounds, Connor, because Connor's so much bigger and he's pretty 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 accurate and precise. But if Jose Aldo would have had a chance to make it a sprint in certain spots and a firefight in certain spots, and like you know, where you where you you, you turn you know you know when you turn the hot water on and you turn it off, turn it on. If Jose Aldo would have had a chance to make Connor stop and go. Or be hot and cold. He would have gassed him out and possibly stopped him. Wow. That's what I'm thinking. Because Connor, the pressure, when you put pressure on Connor, you make him fight. You know, stop and go, I think that's the best way. Where if you just stay, if you, if you're just there and you just try to put pressure on him, he's so long, he'll step back. He'll hit you with something. But if you can put pressure on him stop and go, it'll bring up the anxiety where he's like, uh, relax, tight, relax, tight, relax, tight. And they see, you know, you gas through anxiety. That's what happened when he fought Floyd. When he fought Floyd, Floyd did that to him.
0: Hey, Nate Diaz kind of did that to him.
1: Yeah, Nate show. Diaz did it to him, yeah, especially in the first fight. The first fight, Diaz did it to him to a T. Even the second – let me be real. Let me be Let me be real. The second fight, I thought Diaz won that. I thought Diaz did the same thing because there are times in the fight where you can see Big John step again like, hey – I'm about to stop it because Connor is just covering up. Oh yeah, end of that long. third round. I think it may have been. Yeah,
0: I, I was like, "It's over. It's over." But but he but he survived and advanced. All right, King Mo. Do, we'll see where where Jose Aldo goes from here. This is featherweight is also an interesting division, being that we don't know when Max Holloway's coming back. You kind of feel like if he doesn't come back soon, could we see Ortega Aldo for a interim or full
1: title? It, it's not insane, right? Uh. I, I don't know. I, I, I personally that's a good question. Uh ah, that's a good question. Hmm. Because really you have you have uh one forty five Moicano's there. Who's a good fighter? Henato Moicano. One forty five is, is you know, you're talking about 145 is pretty deep weight class. I don't know. I, if I no were them, one else I would... is,
0: is worthy, though. And I say that because Frankie Edgar coming off of a loss. Steven's just lost. Cub Swanson's not right there. Emmett's coming off of a loss. Chad Mendes is just finally back. You know, Moikado, Bektik. There's not, like, guys that are in line, like, at lightweight where you're like, I, c- I could see a case for six guys needing a title shot right
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but really what they should do is um, – but have, fight, keep on fighting it out Because right now If you just have If you're just like You know what Let's do um Let's do Aldo Versus um, Ortega. um, um Vega uh, Ortega Say Ortega wins Then who's next you, we, We're going wait, wait For Max Holloway
0: it's a fair point uh, You'd only do that For the full championship If Max Holloway Can't go And they strip him But that's a messy situation We'll see how that plays out But hey Jose Aldo had a moment Hey by the way Someday King Mo. You know I love old guy fights. I love old guy fights. Someday I think we're going to see Conor, Jose, too, when they're like 40 and 38. <laughs> and it'll be like a fight that I'll be jumping through the roof to see. We're going to see that slop fest down the road. I can't wait to see it. Anyway, women's strawweight battle. My favorite division. The champ, the former champ, the champion, young Jake Check. Came back, bounced off, bounced back from the two defeats to Rose Namajunas. takes a three round unanimous decision from Tisha Torres, save for the final ten seconds of round two. Ioana never in trouble, never in danger. Sort of figured out how to cruise to the decision and cruise to that decision. King Mo, what could have, should have, Tisha Torres done differently in this one.
1: Tisha she just fought more. She the have- Bit down in her mouthpiece and punch with Joanna because when there were fi- when was a firefight and Joanna and Tisha Joanna was throwing punches and Tisha was punching with her, Tisha was actually doing doing work, landing good shots. I
0: thought she hurt Joanna in that final minute there of
1: round two. Actually, she actually stunned Joanna a few times. Let's be real. Um, Tisha might be smaller, but I feel like Tisha is the better puncher in mid range. And the fight was mid range quite a few times when there's a firefight, but. I feel like Tisha couldn't couldn't gauge the range because because Joanna has good timing. She's a good, Joanna has a good sense of range and timing. So when Tisha, being a quicker woman, was trying to hop in and out to get 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 to range, Yo, um, Joanna would throw a jab, a one two, one one two, or a steep teap, or a stiff teeth to the stomach to keep Tisha. At bay. Oh, and that it front worked.
0: kick! That front kick was working. So the second round, Yoana dominated from distance. But rounds one and three, I want to ask you about because Tisha's mindset there was let's take her down. The problem is, outside of one takedown in round three, in which Ywana instantly jumped back up, she had no success. So in rounds one and three, Tisha spent the whole time in the clinch with her arms around Ywana's waist. And it looked a lot like Kenny Florian's failed strategy when he fought BJ for the lightweight title. When Kenny talked forever about how he wants BJ's belt. What did he do? He got in there and he spent the whole fight with his head at BJ's waist. And then eventually got worn down and submitted. At some point, and Tisha's corner did try this after round two. At some point, Tisha should have just went for it. Because Ioana's not a big puncher. You're not going to take her down. You feel like it could have been interesting in round three if Tisha's just like, I may get knocked out. But this is my chance to get to a title shot. This is my chance to get the biggest victory of my career. I don't see how she could exit this fight and not be frustrated by not at least taking that chance. Lot easier for me, King Mo on my couch, by the way, where nobody's punching back to say that. But at this level, you gotta go for it.
1: Yeah, you know what, um, she should look to, to, um, like clinch, clinch and brawl, dirty box and clinch because really, when she went for the takedowns and they're defended, she could have just like disengage and threw some punches, then went back. The thing is, if she kept her guessing from punch, from takedown attempts to punches, to takedown attempts to punches, she could have landed something or got the takedown. But really, when it came down to it, she was going for the double leg, reaching across. She was going for a high crotch, reaching across. Like, her position wasn't, wasn't proper. And, uh, Joanna took advantage of it. And even then, even, even when you're not in good position going for, going for a takedown, when you're in a good position go for a takedown, you can actually let go and throw punches and be in position to go back down. But Tisha was kind of in not position to do anything but to get the takedown, and that's what hurt her because she pretty much handcuffed herself when the it, when it push came to show.
0: All right, to looked good in my mind. She did what she had to do, nothing to take away from that performance. She still wants to stay at 115, even though that's a hard weight cut for her, but she's big for that weight class. We We, we know what she does well. Would you want to see it? And does she deserve a potential third chance at Rose, even though she's lost twice? When you consider one loss was a quick knockout and that second fight was so hotly contested where I guess you can make an outside argument that wanna deserved the decision there. Do you think she'll get
1: that third one and would you want to see it, Kingmo? Well, Carol, I, I, I have to see like, you know, you have Claudia Gadelia who lost to, she lost her last fight, didn't she? Uh, she, bow- she Carlos-
0: I thought she bounced back with a win a few weeks ago. Yeah, Carlos, just- Carlos, Carlos, Carlos right? Yeah, she
1: just hasn't looked great
0: in in the in her recent fights.
1: And then what about Jessica Andrade? When she, like-
0: I think they're trying to get her into a fight with Rose, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's because, coming because, off a win over yeah.
1: Tisha. Yeah, because she's the problem. Her, her, yeah, Andrade, even Carolina, um, Carolina, um, I can't say her last name. Kovalevich, but- possibly. yeah. But really, um, when it comes down to it, that weight class is. Top heavy now. It's become top heavy. It's like five, five women at the top. The, the top heavy, and uh, they they got to um, bring in more talent, and also they got to have more interesting matchups. Give some women at the bottom a chance to fight some of these girls in the mid range.
0: Yeah, you know who I they- like on that on that bottom of that top ten. Tatiana Suarez, the former tough champion. You know about her? She I think she could be a title defend title contender down the line here.
1: Yeah, she's she's tough. She has skills. Um, it just depends on what how they're gonna match these women up. You know it, the matchups is what matters because if you're not getting if you if you're the bottom of the pack and you're fighting people that are say you're ranked 14th and you're fighting 13, 12, 11, 15. Well, try to get you uh eight, nine. You know what I'm saying? If you can get 10, try to get you one of them to get ranked because then when you see certain people people starting to move up in the rankings, you can make it. You can make more interesting matchups I'm with in you. a sense.
0: I'm with you on that. Well, Yawana's back. We'll see. If Rose does do that Andrade, Andraj fight, we'll see what happens there. That's a tough fight for her, no question about it. Imagine if Andrade takes the belt from Rose, and then we see Joanna rematch her. Hey, hey, th- th- things could happen. Things could shake up. Yeah. King Mo, I want to put Calgary to bed there because I thought that was a three fight card. But did anything else happen on that card that's worth talking about in your eyes? It it was sort of whole hum to me.
1: Yeah, really, it's really like a three fight card. Honestly, you're right, three fights. Right, well, it's weird because back. The day when we hit the UFC, there were no undercards really, but the main cards, loaded in the, in the late '90s and early 2000s, loaded. Like we could name, oh, so and sos fighting, oh, why so and so fighting the undercard? Because I mean, their names And now it's like who, what?
0: I'm with you, huh? I'm with you. On so, that. Uh we got to run through some news before we break down the upcoming UFC 227, which is this Saturday, of course, from Los Angeles. Recent news, King Mo. There was a uh, uh, Nick Newell, the one, I don't want to say one arm, he has two arms, he has one hand, the former World Series of Fighting, uh, star, name, name fighter, fought on the Dana White Contender Series last Tuesday with a chance and a hope of getting a UFC contract, suffered a three round decision loss to Alex Munoz, it was unanimous, it was kind of one sided. Your thoughts on Nick Newell overall? Cause some people don't want to see someone, I guess with a handicap, you know, be in this, but this guy's tough, this guy can fight, I was hoping for a good story here, that he can come over the top and win, but they gave him the tryout and he lost. What else do you do?
1: I think it's stupid to give him a tryout. There are guys they've signed that aren't even as good. They, they aren't even as good as Nick Newell, and they're in the UFC. Like They're not even proven. They've signed guys that are like 4-0, and 4-1, and they, they fight in the UFC. There are guys right now with three or four losses in the UFC in a row, and they're still there. But you can't give Nick Newell a shot. Why? Why not? What's 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 wrong with him? You know, oh, he has a handicap. So did so did um, um this is a good kickboxer uh the b, b, the one armed bandit um Baxter Hamby one arm bandit he was knocking people out more oh, time he had one arm you know you you, know, you have guys um Nate Ackerman he's a D3 wrestler he had no legs he won nationals. You know, you can't you can't put limits on people because people always break those limits. People always break the barrier, man. Give him a chance. Who knows what could happen?
0: Well, you could argue that he did have his chance and he lost. So that's where it is. You're saying he should have just yeah, gotten a chance in a real but, UFC fight?
1: Yeah, guys, Yeah, because they're guys in the UFC sign. You can look through their roster, and they're guys they've signed. You can look through, remember guys that fight, and you're like, wow, how'd he get signed? Yeah, I've, I've heard Joe Rogan even say... These guys aren't UFC caliber, but whatever. I've heard him say that the pro- on the broadcast before. So the thing is, like, Nick Newell is proven. He's had a lot of fights. Oh, yeah. Give him, give him a chance. Give him a chance. Like, not in the, the – because the thing is, like, they could have been like, oh, we gave him a chance to fight the Dana White Challenger Series. But he could have won that fight. Dana White could have been like, you know what? I want to see you fight a few more times. You know, so that was not a, a guaranteed shot. He would have smoked CM Punk, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Dana
0: White can call up Mike Jackson and make a uh, Nick Newell Mike Jackson fight. He hates that guy. Uh, we the only time we did see Nick Newell's put put together a string of wins there in WSOF. The only time we did see him lost was when he stepped up for the lightweight title against Gage Justin Gagey and took a TKO loss. Is there like can he compete on this level? When we saw him against Gagey, he got knocked out. But Gagey's a, a, a warrior. I wanted to ask you essentially from a tactical sense, with having only one hand, how does he do it? How does he compete on this level? And outside of it being a good story, is there still time for him at 32 to sort of get back to this point, to maybe have another shot down the road?
1: Yeah, there's still time. All he has to do is he fights at range. He fights at range, throws a lot of kicks, knees. He can grapple. He can do it all. Now, the thing about Gaethje is Gaethje figured something out. Gaethje figured out, hey, if I throw body shots, I'm going to land his body shots to his, his other side. And then I'm gonna come up high, and that's what Gaethje did. Gaethje, Gaethje, did something no one else did, because everyone else was getting kicked. Gaethje walking down, threw body shots, and then when when the, um, Nick Newell started dropping his hand, he came up top, he came up high. You know what I'm saying? It was clipping him. but Gaethje did that. No one else could because everyone else was getting kicked, teed, or submitted. Yeah,
0: that's a fair point. Uh, in other news, King Mo.
1: And- Say that again. He wrestled in college too, so he, Nick Newell yeah. wrestled in college, so he can compete. That, that's that's
0: definitely true. Hey, Kingbo, September eighth in Dallas, UFC two twenty eight. We're gonna have a title main event at welterweight when Tyron Woodley finally comes back from surgery from injuries, but he's gonna face Darren Till. And the kicker here is that your UFC interim welterweight champion Colby Covington, your your camp mate, who defeated uh, was that RDA. in a a decision recently, is not going to get the chance because Colby can't be ready for September. He wants to fight in either October or November. So UFC's like, all right, we'll just strip you of that fake belt anyway and we'll bump up Darren Till. And it's a messy situation made even more messy that Darren Till missed weight in his last bout and you can argue got a gift decision over Wonderboy Thompson. But here we are in a title fight I think what we learned from this King Row is what we already talk about every week. There's no rules anymore. There's no rules. It just, just bite down and deal with it. Because, it, I mean, what the hell is going on here?
1: He missed weight by four pounds. So, in essence, he didn't even he come close to making weight. He missed weight by four pounds. Then he made, he wins a fight, close fight. And the funny thing is, I feel like when you miss weight, you should get penalized not just by your purse, but you should, the other guy should get like an extra one up on you. In Japan, if me and you fought and I miss weight and the fight was close, you would get the benefit of the doubt because you'd have more points leading against the fight. They should do that. They should change the scale up. For the guy, for the guy that makes weight, they should give him extra credit. You know what I'm saying? The guy that misses weight is at the advantage. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's, like, you know, some people will be like, hey, if we're gonna fight and you miss weight, well, you can't rehydrate to more than 185. I don't know if they did that, but from now on, more fighters should look to do that.
0: It's, it's crazy that, that, I mean, it, it you add this to the recent sort of obvious criticisms of UFC, how Brock Lesnar could come back from a failed steroid test and get a title shot, how, uh, Conor McGregor could get, you know, slap on the wrist and nothing else for his actions in, in Brooklyn in April, and Probably come back to a title shot very soon. So it's tough. In uh, the whole Colby situation, it's kind of hard to do the whole man. Colby got screwed because Colby never should have been fighting for the interim title in the first place when he fought RDA. It's like we didn't need that interim belt. We knew Tyron Woodley was going to be back in two months. Ah, that's just that's all I got for you. Ah,
1: well, well the thing is the thing is thing about this they did that. Let me turn but, They did that. Oh. They they did that pretty much just to sell pay per views. Hey, title shot, title fight. And now they're like, well, hmm, how'd it sell? Not that good. Well, could, could Kobe fight in, in, in six to eight weeks? He can't strip him because the, the, the pay-per-view he was on didn't do that good. Where if it would have done good, I feel like they'll give him more time. To be like, okay, you know what? You're not feeling well. You need, you need surgery. We'll give you time to heal. But when you get back, you retire in Woodley in New York or wherever or, or – wherever they're going in California or Vegas, wherever they're gonna fight at. But I don't know. I, I I have no idea what they're gonna do. I feel like Kobe versus Woodley will be the biggest fight they could possibly have made in one seventy. That
0: would have been fun. There's the built-in story. The trash talking would have been through the roof. You can't wait a month for that? I don't know. It's just, it's confounding. I mean, they needed the main event badly for this 228 card because they, you know, they're rolling with the co-main, which is that uh, 125-pound women's title fight where the, the ghost of Nico Montana will finally return to defend against Valentina Shevchenko, and I like that fight. By the way, Shevchenko, a minus 650 betting favorite as the challenger, the largest deficit montano the underwhelming champion a plus 475 underdog that's an interesting betting line it just goes to show you what happens when you rush a title belt and all the mayhem that goes with it they needed the main event they got it give me a 30 second answer on this can till beat woodley
1: Uh, i don't think he will no all right
0: you heard it you heard it right here guys that's that's where it's at uh speaking of conor mcgregor he accepted a plea bargain, King Mo, in his late July Brooklyn court date. In interviews with his manager Audie Atar, it's essentially that he's free to return. No further damage outside of what a fine, community service, all of that, anger management classes. But from the UFC's perspective, Dana White standing firm. No further issues. We're gonna roll out now. Everyone's waiting. For Habib, Connor McGregor, which has the potential to be the largest pay-per-view in UFC history. No question about it. It's a grudge match. It's a great fight stylistically on paper. It's the former champion who never lost his belt against the new champion. Everything about it is perfect. When do you think we'll see it? Because McGregor's management is saying, we hope it's this year. It comes down to the money. comes down to the deal. Could be October 6th in Vegas. Could be November 3rd at
1: MSG. Could be New Year's Eve. Could be Super Bowl weekend. When do you think we see this, King Mo? I don't know. We won't know until it gets signed. Um, I, I have no idea. i will be mean, honest with you, like to me, it's kind of like the like Pacquiao Mayweather situation. It's going to happen, just don't know when. So I'm not going to try to like dwell on it. Um, I, don't, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. You don't sound don't excited the, about
0: this. It's, this fight's not moving you. That it seems.
1: Yeah, it'll move me more once I see Conor actually like speaking, doing interviews with the UFC microphone, if, if the UFC microphone, the UFC logo on the microphone, because he you knows so like you might talk about doing it, but so far I I see no action. I just hear talk. I want to I want to see Conor say Habib's name, and be like, "That's the fight I want." UFC, let's make it happen. If, if I hear that, there's more believable. But I haven't heard that. Have you heard it? I, maybe I'm missing something. I've yeah. not heard. Connor really mentioned Habib's name in any sense. No, I've his... heard Habib said Connor's name a lot, but nothing in response.
0: Connor's manager did say that's the name we're looking at though. So here's the, uh, subhead the, that no one's talking about that we used to talk about before this Brooklyn incident. And it's this. Connor McGregor made $100 million to box Floyd Mayweather. His previous high UFC salary was you know how they report a, a, a purse that's smaller. What was it reported at what? Two and a half, three million, whatever. It was a UFC record for Connors last fight. The behind-the-scenes news is that he probably took home 12 to 15 million. What the heck are they going to have to pay him to get him back in when he knows his value, King Mo? And even though that April incident with the bus and the dolly through the window was bad for him legally, it was very good for the UFC marketing-wise. No one's debating that. So what the heck would they have to pay him? Can, do they have enough
1: to pay him? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think Conor wants that fight. Look, when Conor wanted Floyd, he was there. You heard him mention Floyd's name. Floyd's name was in his mouth all the time. Every interview, Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Even before the fight, when the fight was just thought about. He mentioned Floyd's name like clockwork. Now, he has Habib. I have yet to really hear him mention Habib's name, be like, Habib, you're next. I want you. I'm going to knock you out. All that trash talk he spoke about Habib, like, well, I don't Well, he did hear attack it. It him with a dolly. Out. That does That's a statement, right? You throw a dolly
0: through a window at somebody?
1: Yeah, but the window was probably, probably tinted, so he probably just threw it at random people. Did it come close to him, Habib? No, it hit random people. Everybody else on that card was taken off the card but Habib. <laughs> Yeah, you know i mean, dude, that's true. And, and, and the thing about this, they were in Habib stepped to his homeboy, Artem, and grabbed him and spoke to him. Slapped him. I don't know. Him. What he said, slapped him. Yeah, treated him like a little boy. Let like and then nothing happened to him. You know, like what, what Connor came with his homeboy and threw, and broke glass on a bus. I don't think. Like, I, I think Conor might want to fight if he gets paid, but I don't think the motivation to fight is there unless the paycheck is high enough. Um, because the thing is, if they're going to pay him high enough to fight Conor, I mean, to fight Habib, I feel like it'll be a cash-out. Because I feel like, I don't, I don't think he thinks he can beat, um, beat um, Habib. I think I think he, I think he feels that like he can stop it with one punch, if he can land it, but if the, the if the fight goes to the ground, he knows it's over with. So he's like, hey, most fights go to the ground. You know what? Cash, Cash me out. If I fight Habib, cast me out because, you know, say I lose, so I will come to back them, and fight. So he says to them,
0: you know that this is going to move 2 million pay-per-view buys, so yeah. give me that guaranteed 30 million, and let's move on.
1: And get, But guess what? Let's move on. Then he'll, come, he'll probably come back six months later, eight months later, like, hey, I want to fight Diaz. I want to yeah. fight Nick or Nate. So he'll come back looking for big money fights. It's, it's rad right times where it's the UFC theory. needs a big star.
0: Interesting theory there, King Mo. Hey, Daniel Cormier this past weekend was on the Calgary card as an announcer, and I thought he did a great job in that analyst role, but he mentioned afterwards to the media that he's still on pace to want to defend his light heavyweight title before this calendar year ends and wait out Brock Lesnar's return. The problem is, King Mo, Gustafson's hurt. There's not a lot of sexy names he did mention uh alair latifi who called him out recently on social media he mentioned anthony smith who took the ghost of uh shogun hua the week before he mentioned uh who's the third cory anderson these are names that are not moving me these are names that seem to go against what dc originally said when he said i'm only going to defend that belt in a money fight uh do you think he'll just come back then and just go through the motions and and just beat down one of these dudes and take the money home
1: who knows man who knows um I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be contingent on how his body feels and contingent on what's really going on with Brock Lesnar. I heard Brock's back in the back in the pool, but I don't know. Just just wait to see. You know what I'm is saying? There you is there any of these guys that see. can
0: beat him though? Can any? Can these Corey Andersons? They can't beat him, right?
1: Uh, no. Nah, but the thing is, like, you can't don't put limbs on people. Anything can happen. I feel like I feel like Daniel beat them, but anything can happen. You know, I like you just That'd be a
0: fun fight. Uh, I'd watch that. I'd be down with that. Yeah. is a good dude. Yeah.
1: All right, this uh, super card
0: that I teased, MSG, November 3rd, UFC 230, it's going to be a big one. We know it. But some of the undercard, some of the main card, undercard fights are coming together, and they all have to do with middleweight. Some are rumored. Some are confirmed. Here are the three fights we're talking about, King Mo. Tell me if this is 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 giving you movement. All right, tell me if you're fired up about this. Jacare Souza versus David Branch. Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, too. The fight we were supposed to get at 199 a few years ago never happened. I got the poster behind me. Love that idea. And Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. Woo! Fireworks going off in my brain here, thinking about that one. King Mo, you care about these? You 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 get in the feels?
1: Well, I, I get more of a feel if they add Derek Bronson versus Eriso Adesanya to that oh, list. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, because I'm gonna be real. I think I think Paulo Costa versus Romero is going. to I don't think, I feel like maybe that would be a bad fight to put Costa in for his first fight. I feel like Romero's going to hustle and walk right through him. Luke Rockhall versus Weidman, interesting fight because they've had history, and um, the first time they fought was back and forth, and then Luke stopped him. Um, David Branch versus Jacare will be interesting, you know, because they both can grapple, they both can strike, but Jacare, he's a problem, man. Can, can, count, can he bounce back after his loss to Gaslam? Very, very interesting. Well, hey, Kimo,
0: bye. I got some sound from Anderson Silva. I'm going to play at the end of this episode where I interviewed him last week. He's coming back from the Usada situation. I asked him about Israel Adesanya calling him out, and he did in in his polite Anderson voice. He's like, "Who is that? I don't know who that is. I need to go look the name up find afterwards." But that's good to hear. But I have no idea who that is. That was interesting to hear there from from good old Anderson. There it was a little shot, little little polite shot at at uh, at the last style bender. But he may end up finding out who he is. By the way.
1: Well, I, I'm the honest with you. I don't think it's a shot. It's just that it says something about the UFC brand. I think when it comes down to it, when's the last time you see Anderson Silva side of the fight? You're right. They well, they
0: avoided him like the plague. While he went through that U.S.A. thing, he admitted it. He said Dana, yeah. you know, Dana didn't call me once. Nobody, you know, they avoided me.
1: So. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I feel like maybe like you know, a lot of these guys, are, they're a little older. The new wave is coming in, and, and they're like, you know what? I've lost interest. I'll go out there and fight still, but I'm not as interested in it as I used to be. Yeah. Hey, but yeah, by the maybe way, that could the it.
0: the idea of Weidman Rockhold too—that gets me fired up. I know they're a little bit, you know, stepped down from their prime a couple of years ago. That's still interesting to me. And man, Romero Costa, which isn't finalized, but come on, that's like that's there's just two men there. Those are two studs. When when two yeah, bulls yeah. bounce off each other, you know.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I really, no, really they, what they should have done is have, they should have like um, they should. I feel like they should move Romero and Luke. And maybe had Paulo Costa versus Israel at the sign. You have two two up and comers. You know what I'm saying? You have two up and comers. Then have a um, have a Romero versus I don't know who. Could, I don't know who Romero could fight actually because Romero fought everybody in the weight class. Uh, maybe Romero versus Jacare again.
0: All right, all right. So hey, first I, I love was, this.
1: But, I love talk about this MSG
0: card because that arena still matters, Kimo. I love that UFC's finally there. Those cards have been great. The first two, right? Connor against Eddie. Last year, yeah. TJ against, uh, Cody and Joanna and, in GSP. I mean, that was a memorable card. Hey, UFC, it's the 25th anniversary and they're going to do a fight night card in Denver, the site of the first card, November 10th. It's a, it's a nice, you know, uh, celebratory affair. I hope they bring back the old names. I hope you see Hoist Gracie there. I hope you see Jim Brown, the first color commentator there, but we know our main event, Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie. Oh, that's kind of interesting there. We haven't seen Chan Jung-sung in a while, but, uh, I'd be down for this fight.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, it should be an action, action impact fight because Korean Zombie brings it, man. Love that. That boy can fight. Oh. And Frankie can still fight, man. He brings it too. I think that that'd be a big card for, for the for the 25th anniversary. Great card.
0: This Saturday, King Mo, it's time to break this thing down. UFC 227, Los Angeles Staples Center. Hey, 220, 227, that was a TV show in the 80s. Did you used to watch that? On and, and NBC with uh, Prime Jack A. Harry, back when she was pretty hot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was down T-27 for that. T-27 was a great show. Yeah, it was, was a great show. I was down for that.
0: Hey, uh, and Pearl. Pearl was solid. Pearl was, was the was the boss in that show, the grandma. Anyway, King Mo, this is a rematch that I love, that nobody's talking about, including the UFC. We're barely seeing any promotion about this, but the Bantamweight Championship, TJ Dillashaw against former champion Cody Garbrandt, that... Thriller of a knockout fest from last November in MSG. We're gonna run that back. It's a grudge match. It's all the talk, tra- t- trash talk and hate we love. And it's two guys who are in their primes that are absolute studs who can throw and could be, ah, future star might be too much, but really could be, you know, a future player. Whoever gets through this fight for UFC to kind of you know put the rocket pack on and try to try to push them as as a as a big player right now in a starless uh, reality that we're at for UFC. I love the fight. Why is nobody talking about it?
1: That's a great question. Um, I, I don't know why they're not talking about it. I don't know why they're not p- promoting it because when it comes down to it, this might be the third biggest rivalry in the UFC. Or fourth biggest, fourth biggest robber in the UFC. Behind who? Connor and behind behind Connor. Um actually maybe seventh. (laughs) Connor and Nate, Connor Habib. You got Daniel Jones. You have uh let me think it's another another one, uh Jose Aldo Holloway in a sense. You have Matt you have uh Dustin Poirier. um Eddie Alvarez, and I'm missing one more. I'm missing one more. Cain I mean, Kane, Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Rose Joanna is a good and one. Now, and then, then, then Max. Now, now, Max Holloway. Not Max Holloway, but uh, I, uh, you got. Um, I'm going blank right now for names. Champ versus the former champ. What's the names again? Yeah, I forgot the names. Um, what's that uh, Dillashaw and uh, Yo, Garbrandt. Yeah, yeah. Damn right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, though, I think I think that I think that rivalry they have going on. It's pretty interesting. I think it's good. They have they worked. they work, on the same team. Oh, former
0: teammates. They can teammate. spin it,
1: but they they, also, they they ain't done it. They 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 could they could show the footage of uh, um, of Dilschard getting dropped in the sparring more often, but they just don't do it. I don't that, know why they don't.
0: This should be a a giant like heated thing. Like, that, okay, he yeah, I feel like all summer we should have been getting pumped up for this, and instead, you know what I did this yesterday, which was Sunday. I kind of go, okay, what do we got going on this week? And I looked at this guy oh, my God, 227 this weekend. What the heck happened? I kind of had that same feeling too, but great fight. Dillashaw won by knockout the first time after getting floored by Garbrandt late in that first round when it looked like Cody was maybe 10 seconds away from stopping him if the buzzer Mm -hmm. hadn't gone off. So you love this fight because I've been on Team TJ from the beginning. I'm the guy who always comes on here and says, He's probably the second or third best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. His only losses are questionable. I thought he got robbed against Asunciao in the first fight. I thought he got robbed against Dominic Cruz. All right, so maybe when he got stopped by John Dodson, that's a legitimate loss. But, you know, you're sort of like this guy is is the guy, and he showed that against Cody. You can't take anything away from that performance. He showed you he's the man at 135. Now he's got to do it again. And Cody's as dangerous as anybody in this division.
1: He's great He's a good puncher, good wrestler. Um but the thing about Cody is I think Cody's younger. hes since he's younger, I feel like he has like more like when cheese more like, Hey, I'll take whatever you give. You know, whatever you want to throw, I'll eat it and walk through it. Where I think Dillish more sense, more fight sense, more I, I think he's more experienced to where he knows like, Hey, I'm not gonna go out there and try to get hit with these bombs. I think that um he knows that the I I think, I think he knows his limits more than uh than a, um I'm going to Cody, blank on um, Garbrandt's name, Dick Garbrandt. I think Cody is young, fresh in the game, and he don't know his limits. So I think I think what's going to end up happening is he'll end up getting clipped again. Well, TJ's been doing a lot well,
0: of sparring with with uh, Vasily Lomachenko, the, bo- the boxing pound-for-pound pound king, who's noted for the amazing footwork, the awkward angles and movements. If TJ can kind of work some of that in, he's already sort of got that herky-jerky boxing style. He's a tough nut to crack. I mean, he's tough. He's
1: quick. He he he'll brawl. He'll fight from distance. He can do some things. Yeah, um, the the Lomachenko stuff will definitely help him, especially if he spar Lomachenko in a cage. Because when you when you, when you spar people, boxers in in a ring, they're at home. But the moment you fight, you spar them in a cage. It's a little different. So they have, their movements, are, their movements. They have to make the movements work because there's no true angles in a cage. It's a circle. So if if, if I'm pretty sure. You know, Dillashaw and and Lomachenko have been working that. You know, working on things out in the open. But if he can get Lomachenko's movement in the middle of the in the the middle of the ring, if he can get that movement down, it's going to be a long night for Garbrandt. Interesting. I like Garbrandt. Start throwing kicks. I think
0: T.J. wins a five-round decision here. It's kind of hard to predict that this goes five rounds when you saw the the explosiveness in their first fight. But I think both will be a little bit smarter. I think TJ just ultimately outworks him. But it's going to be a heck of a fight because Cody's got craft, like you're saying. But he also tries to be the tough guy and gets into wars there.
1: And I think that's going to happen. I think that, you you know, think about this, right? You're Cody Garbrandt. You know you've dropped him in sparring. Okay, I've dropped him in sparring. Put him out in sparring. In the fight, I dropped him like crazy in the fight. If there was if there was more if there's 15 seconds left in, in that round, I would have stopped him. So he's probably thinking, all I gotta do is touch him. If I touch him, it's over. Well, if Cody so is I'm, as
0: patient I, as he was against Dominick Cruz, he's gonna have a much better game plan.
1: Yeah, yeah, but see, against Dominick Cruz, the hatred wasn't there like yeah, it is that's now. That's true. That's true. And Garbrandt, look, Garbrandt like Garbant looks like the like, you know the, the cool kid, right? Dillashaw, it's like it's like the 80s, it's like 80s, it's like an 80s movie where Dillashaw is like the, <laughs> like, the like the, like, have you seen that show called Cobra Kai? Oh yeah, uh, it's
0: so good, so yeah,
1: good. Yeah. Well, well, um, Garbrandt reminds me of the the kids that you know, like um Danielson, you know Danielson, the, the guy. Okay, Johnny's son.
0: Yeah. The yeah. cool
1: kid. Now, Dillashaw reminds me of the nerd Miguel, the the the, the main <laughs> character. That's, that's what reminds me of. That's that's what I see, you know. I I think that uh Garb makes to go out there young very confident you know feeling invincible I think they go for the knockout and I think it's just going to hurt them I think he will get countered with something I think he might get taken down a few times cuz I've seen I've seen um Dillshaw working with my boy um my boy out there in California I'm going blank with these names my boy Daryl Christians Yes he was a a, a multiple time national champion in Greco-Roman wrestling and he's a great teacher and I've been watching some of the stuff that Dillashaw's been doing, and uh I don't know. If he's I think he I think he's taking this to another level right now. I think we're gonna see something spectacular next weekend or this um, weekend.
0: Hey, he's gonna if he does, it's hard not to make a case for him among you know the very two three top pound for pound guys in the world. Demetrius Johnson certainly right there. You know you can you can argue who you have right around there whether it's Cormier, whether it's still John Jones, whether it's Connor, whoever Max, but he's right in that class. He's gonna have a chance to show that. The co-main event, though, King Mo is the pound-for-pound pound king, Demetrius Johnson, in a rematch against Henry Cejudo. And on the surface, it's kind of a retread because there's nobody left for Johnson to face at flyweight unless he would move up to Bantamweight and, and do that super fight with Dillashaw or, or do it at flyweight, by the way, which they talked about last year, and I'm glad they didn't go through with that. But Cejudo has a case from this sense that when he fought Demetrius the first time, it was too early, and he got caught pretty early there and, and, and TKO'd and he's rebuilt himself into a more patient boxer who balances his, his obvious wrestling advantages there very well. The two wins, the knockout of Wilson Hayes in last September, and then two months later, the decision over Sergio Pettis really outlined the fighter he's become. And if you listen to any interview with Cejudo coming in, he's like, I'm a completely different guy than I was that first Johnson fight, which was April of 2016. If you buy that, King Mo, you can force yourself to believe this could be a very interesting fight. It also could just be marketing, and there's nobody at flyweight who's going to touch Demetrius Johnson. Where do you stand in that conversation?
1: Well, I feel like there's one person that could touch Demetrius Johnson at flyweight, but he's not in the UFC no more. Your boy, Horiguchi. Kyoji you know, Because Kyoji is one of the few flyweights you see with knockout power. You see with good takedowns. Like, like, look. Granted, he fought Mighty Mouse and made Mighty Mouse work. Mighty Mouse stopped him. A, a, stopped him with a minute, uh, the, one second left in the fifth. But Kyoji, man, I don't know. The UFC should never let him go, but one thing, Sohudo does have world-class, he has world-class world class athleticism. He's come from a world-class background. He knows how to win. He's proven that in the Olympics, the nationals, and everything he's done. I think that the the fight he had was a learning experience. He was very green. I think that it could have helped him more, but at the same time, I don't know if he's active enough. Like, he fought, he fought uh, Mighty Mouse two years ago, right? And he probably fought four times since then. And I don't know, Mighty Mouse. I don't know, man. You might need a little more, a little more fight than that. Because I, I don't know. I, I think, I think can get it done, but it's just gonna be tough for him to get it done. Because Mighty Mouse is still riding a wave of confidence.
0: I mean, Mighty Mouse is fresh off that submission of Ray Borg last October, where late in the fifth round he went for the, uh, the what the almost almost like the fight. The the uh, s- the slam that he turned into an armbar on the way down. I mean, just sick stuff. Thirty one years old, operating at the very top of his game. If he runs through Cejudo, like he could, like maybe he will. Who knows? We'll see. I want to see a good fight. Obviously, the the drum's going to keep getting hit for for Dillashaw. By the way, because that's the that's the super fight for Demetrius. That's the okay. You used to fight at bantamweight. You couldn't get over the dominant cruise bubble. You went to flyweight when they created division. You're now one of the Two or three greatest fighters in history. No one's questioning that. But to to really make that stand and try to say you're the greatest of all time, you're gonna have to beat Dillashaw. That's what people people are are thinking or saying. King Mo, do you think we'll see a WWE Brock Lesnar situation here where they send the mouse into the cage if TJ wins?
1: Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. They want to make that fight happen. Just throw the right amount of dollars to, to um, both fighters.
0: But don't do it at flyweight. That's stupid. You got to do it at bantamweight because that's the. It's got to be a, a struggle for Demetrius. Like it's got to be a challenge for Demetrius to say move back up in weight and prove that you can do it.
1: Yeah, domed the right amount of money, and I'm pretty sure they ain't done that. You're
0: right. They they, if they, they look at him as
1: money. He go up.
0: They look at him as a guy who can't draw on pay per view, so they stick him on fight nights and co mains, and they pay him that way. And uh, all right, Kimo, this uh two two seven card in Los Angeles. I said last week was a three fight card. I'm gonna argue that this pay-per-view is only a two-fight card. What the heck's going on on the rest of this pay-per-view card? Like, I don't hate Cub Swanson, Hanado Moicano. That's, you know, it's a good featherweight fight. I'm down for that. But that's really your third best fight on this card. Do you know we're gonna see a pay-per-view card with a women's strawweight bout featuring JJ Aldrich versus Pollyanna Viana? I just said that, King Mo. I just said that out loud. You're pay- if you buy the pay-per-view on Saturday, you're paying for that fight. Tiago Santos, Kevin Holland, no, not moving the needle for me. I'm sorry. These are not pay-per-view main card fights. What the heck's going on here? It's just watered-down trash. I said it, it's hot trash, King Mo. hot trash.
1: But you're still going to pay for it.
0: Well, my, <laughs> my employers will, okay? But, you
1: know. It's going to come down to fans, fight fans of all of us, to, to boycott bad cards. It could be boxing boycotted. It. it could be pro wrestling boycotted. Like I don't watch I don't watch SmackDown and I don't, I don't watch Raw no more for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not I don't like the product. Yeah, you're right. If you don't like what you what you're seeing and you have to pay for it. Don't buy it, people. Don't buy it. It's
0: tough. It's tough for people because uh, you know this card lost Vulcan Ozdemir against Alexander Kirsten. It Would have been a nice fight, yeah. but uh, you know if you buy this card, you're paying for T.J. Cody and that's a very worthy fight. And if this was boxing where the whole pay-per-view is built around one card, this is still a worthy enough fight to pay that money for. Believe me, it's a great fight. And when you add Demetrius Johnson there, it's fine. But from UFC standards, it's not holding up. And maybe that's the reason why overall there's just not a lot of buzz for this card. It's an L.A. card. Those When they put a pay-per-view in L.A., it used to matter. It'd be like Ronda Rousey or it'd be Jones Cormier too. But this one feels like it doesn't matter.
1: But now because you know what's happened boxing, MMA has become like boxing. Look, we have the multiple titles. We have the card built around one or two fights. Because think about it. like It's been like that in boxing forever. Yeah. The, the, the main event, the co-main event, or maybe one of the showcase fights. It might be the It might be a showcase fight and the main event. Or the co-main and the main. The two fights that are only worth watching the pay-per-view. The rest is garbage. You know what I'm saying? That's how MMA become. MMA become the main is good or the co-main. Or a showcase fight and the co-main or main. It's like two or three fights. Before, it used to be four to five solid fights. Now, it's two to three solid fights.
0: You're 100% right. You know what's going to have to make the change, you and I? When we start our promotion called Hashtag Old Guy Fights, we're going to give the (laughs) pay-per-view... All killer, no filler, five dominant fights of old guy names squaring off. We're gonna do, What? Sh- how should we amend for old guy fight? This was, by the way, I'm stealing completely from Vitor Belfort's idea of a Legends division where you do two minute rounds, but, I mean, we'll get Chuck Down and Tito Ortiz involved. What do we do? We'll, 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 we'll make the gloves a little softer. We'll do these little things to help the guys, but we're gonna give you fights. We'll get, uh, my boy, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mayorga. We'll get Ricardo Mayorga back in the octagon. We'll do some fun things, alright?
1: Yeah, we can do, we can do Melvin Manhoff and Vitor.
0: Oh yeah, come on come on love that you know what in honor of ufc one we'll bring back Hoyce gracie you know i mean maybe i'm stealing scott coker's uh game plan here but good stuff there all
1: right i'll get one glove og all right Jimerson. well i'm about to toss
0: to close the show with an interview i did with anderson silva last week about coming back but before we throw to that do you have any thoughts on anderson silva coming back at 43 and what type of fights he should be looking for what should happen next we touched on this last week, but he's serious. He's ready to fight. He's eligible in November. Give me one opponent. Give me one name that makes sense.
1: I think he should fight another striker. I think he should fight pure strikers. Like Israel Adesanya. Well, um, I think that would be a good name for him. Um, Paulo Costa would be a good name. Just anybody that's won the strike.
0: No, no, don't no, no young names. Give me old guys. Give me all old guys. King Mo. Hey, I, I, I don't know his contract situation. I think he's got a couple of fights Wait, left, but I'd like to see him at Bellator. Imagine Anderson and Bellator gets all these names. Imagine King Mo, Anderson, Silva at light heavyweight. <laughs> Come on, I'd be down for that. Uh, but but right now in the see uh, there's no names for him to fight. Really, GSP, I guess, is the only one that would really make sense. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd watch a Vitor rematch in Bellator. I'd watch a third Chael fight in Bellator. That'd be sloppy, fun stuff. Imagine. Imagine Anderson Silva against Fedor. Is that even possible?
1: Yeah, it is. Cause Anderson move up. You know,
0: Coker'd be down for that, man. Yeah. I gotta get Cokes yeah. on line one here and tell him, you know, you just have to bring me in for a retainer. I'll be your specific <laughs> old guy fight promoter. We'll make this happen. King Mo, they can follow you at King Mo FH on the social webs. I know you'll be glued to the TV this weekend for the fights. Anything else you want to say? Anything that the fans can buy? You selling anything these days?
1: I'm not selling nothing, but right. fans. I want to know what y'all think about the Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, oh, if that were yeah. really to happen. Oh, my God. We got to talk God. about that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, we are going to. I'm going to be talking to Shane Mosley this week about that because he did that same thing against Oscar yeah. in
1: 2000. It wasn't the, crazy the then. Was, yeah. This Mikey yeah. thing
0: just feels really crazy. It's just it, – it's insane,
1: King Mo. Yeah, it is, but he's a soldier because anybody – he's the only fighter I've seen really mention Errol Spence's name and say, I want him next. That's, that's the Only one.
0: That's some big time balls right there. I mean, he, wow. King Mo's a tough son of a bet.
1: That guy's
0: always. Yeah, right he with is. Me. He is. So is Mikey Garcia. He wants <laughs> the gold. He wants to go after that. Uh, King Mo, enjoy yourself this week. I know you're always be in the gym. I hope that we'll get a breaking news on this podcast eventually where King Mo says, "Yeah, I am coming back, BC, and it is against Leota
1: Machina. You were right. Let's make this happen. <laughs> well, I'll know something soon. I've been hitting them up, blowing them up. So hopefully, I know something soon. All right, all right. Do you, want to, uh, do you have two words
0: for people? I don't know how you get down here. I got two words. We out. <laughs> Anderson, four years ago, you made the very famous video. You said, I back. Trust me, I back. And we love that moment. Are you saying that again right now?
2: <laughs> you know, I haven't been working hard. You know, and I'm very excited. Uh, I'm very happy to, uh, the, for the decision, for your you know, everything's clean. Now I move up. I move up. That's uh, the great moment for me and my team and my family. And, um, yeah. You know. I'm back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, was it a, how really I want to guess I want to ask is how relieved were you to sort of get this off of your record because people started to say, "Oh, he's just a cheater." Maybe this should change history. But now this gives you the power to say no. You know, uh, there was there was a problem and it's fixed. How relieved are you to have that? You no,
2: know, I'm I'm very relaxed now because uh, I never lied uh, to my fans and my partners and my family, and that's the point that's more important for me and um yeah, I move on now, just keep going, continue my my job, continue my my dreams, and that's the more important for me.
0: You know, Anderson, considering what happened to you and junior dos Santos and Josh Barnett. Do we have a bigger problem with Usada and some of the the positive tests people are getting when maybe they weren't at fault?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it's very difficult talking about that situation because the difference uh, uh my situation is different about junior, the George partners is different about me and the others, athletes the same. You know, but the more important is
1: uh, when I Yuzada talk to me about that situation. I give all support. I give
2: everything. Yuzada talk to me for, ask um, me to uh, to give all supplement everything uh, in um, my entire career. I give everything, you know, about the supplements uh, i use using, I'm not using, and, yeah, now everything's clean, great, you know, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I, I, I need to say thanks for Zada because uh, give me uh, the, the old support too and uh pass everything to Zada and collaborate to Zada and um, I'm
0: happy now, you know? For sure. O- over this past year and a half when you haven't been fighting, was there ever a thought in your mind that maybe you would never fight again or were you always ready, no matter what, no matter what age, that you were going to come back and fight again?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, fight is staying my blood, you know, in my heart too. I love martial arts and yeah, um, I come back to fight, you know, I just I have a different uh, um, uh, I have a different uh planes, I have different jobs now, I have my clothing line, I have uh uh my projects about the movies and but yeah, I love I love fight, I love UFC, and I, hopefully I come back to fight,
0: uh, soon. What type of fights are you looking for? Because you, you don't have anything to prove historically. So what type of fights interest you nowadays when you think about coming back to UFC? I
2: don't know, I just, you know, uh, um uh, I just continue. I, I, I try, I train every day. Um, I'm working hard, and, um, you know, I don't know, so, it's very difficult, because in, uh, in the same question you give me after that, he, you, you, I'm very scared for, don't, don't come back to fight, but now, everything's clean, everything,
0: um, uh, um, uh, perfect, and, um, you know, I'm very excited for back, and I don't know who's I back to fight. Who's my next opponent or not? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm training hard, and let's go see. Anderson, are you more interested in trying to fight guys who will get you back to a title shot, or trying to fight other big names where you can do big time pay per view fights that the fans get excited for? That's a good question and that's the question I go talk to my team now uh,
2: after that um, and uh, let's go see you know because um, I like pushing hard my mind and my body for challenge but let's go see you know I, I like to to fight in my class I like to to sometimes uh, take the super fight you know, but this going to
0: what happen. trust me. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to read the headlines, Anderson, where young fighter Israel Adesanya, he wants to fight you really bad. What was your reaction to that?
2: Uh, I don't know this name, this guy. I don't know who this guy. I'm so sorry, but uh, I don't know. I go shack, but that's good, you know. That's that's good. I don't know who's this guy, but, uh, um, you know, now I just stay my focus and by myself with me and my family and my team and my company. And let's we'll see. I don't know who's
0: this guy, but uh, I go check and I'm back to talk to you about that. So, Anderson, you know what the fans want. The fans always wanted you and George Saint Pierre to fight. Do you think there's still a chance we could ever see that?
2: So that's an interesting fight, you know, because George does have a good big name, I'm have a big name and that's the an interesting fight, you know. That's I think the old fans like to see this fight, you know?
0: For sure, for sure. Anderson, when you sat out, were you still working out regularly? How active were you while you were waiting for this USADA decision?
2: Oh, yeah. It's so, yeah, it's very hard to talk about that, you know, because, um, it's very difficult because, um, at the same time, I'm, I never, uh, put in my energy down, but, uh, Yeah, it's very difficult. I training hard every day. Um and you know, I'm happy now bro, because I'm here, I'm um everything's come to to back to the order and yeah, I'm very excited for back to fight.
0: Did you get to talk to Dana White about coming back and if you did what was his reaction?
2: You know, I don't talk to Dana, I don't talk to uh, to my manager too much, you know, the people. You know, it's hard to talking about that situation because when I, when I, when I uh, pass the news about I say on the test, everybody don't talk to me, you know, especially my manager and uh being alive you know Dana don't talk to me I don't know why and she um, don't talk to me but it's okay that's part you know that's part of the life that's part of the job and um, I move up now I move up.
0: what has been the hardest part about not getting to fight for a year and
2: a half so I think it's the the hard part in that situation is I lose time you know because I'm not young, you know, I'm not young, but, uh, yeah, it's very difficult because I lose money, I lose, uh, time and, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's hard, bro, it's, it, uh, I, you know, it's very difficult to me, uh, to talk about that situation because, uh, I know with uh completing my responsibility. The same uh the 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 people you try to talk to me. Uh of course you don't take the supplement intentional but uh are responsibility, you know. Uh I know everybody lose money. We see lose money because invest in in the last fight. But uh I'm too I lose money too and um, yeah, I'm so, yeah, it's tough, bro, it's very hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you with respect, because you are 43, but you're known for being so fast and quick and creative. How different are you as a fighter at in your 40s than you were when you were much younger as a champion? How different do you feel?
2: I'm fast, bro. I'm continue fast, very fast very exciting to back to fight for sure for my fan how 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 much i'm fed you know just you know the more important fact timing you know right i think my timing's good better about the, the 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 and the fighters you know i just let's go see it i like to challenge
0: since you've been gone, Anderson, there's been a lot of debates in the media about who's the greatest MMA fighter in the history of the sport. And some of that is because Demetrius Johnson has been doing a great job lately. But who do you think, when you look at the history, is the greatest fighter of all time?
2: Uh, you know, in my personal opinion, is BJ Penn. You know, first of all, because I'm a big fan. Second one, because BJ. DJ...
0: I, you know, I agree and I believe in it. PG is the best fight all time, ever. I, I really respect that. Now, when people have this debate, they normally mention you, GSP, John Jones, maybe Fedor, but now people are mentioning Daniel Cormier. And when he beat Stipe Miocic, Daniel said, you. And John Jones cannot be in that conversation because of drug tests. I wanted to know your reaction to Daniel saying that.
2: So, <laughs> it's very interesting, you know, because, um, I took the fight, uh, to Daniel. I've been no training absolutely nothing for months and I have, uh, seriously in my body and I think that I can save Daniel money because uh John John's on the test. But it's very interesting Daniel talking about that because when you have problems, everybody have a problems, you know. When you when you're talking about people, you need to be careful because you never know about your life. You never know about your future, you know? But I think Daniel is very lucky. It's completely lucky because you know, never beating John Jones, of course, because John Jones in my opinion is the best fighter in that uh, in 2 of five. And when I took t- the fight, uh Daniel don't do nothing. It's very completely lucky, you know. And it's, it's more lucky because they don't take the fight for five rounds in are street. And don't do nothing. Just put the ground and lose your weight. You know, why are you talking? Why are you doing your talk? I respect, but uh, they don't have uh talked about that because, you know, I'm very sad about that because, you know, uh that's the first time I saw this news. I respected Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel, but uh, when you're talking about me and and John uh, uh, Jones, it's completely crazy, you know? Because John Jones is the best fight. I tried to make uh, everything inside the case perfect for my fans, and I don't know, but it's okay. This is Daniel
0: Cremier, you know? For sure, for sure. I respect your answer. I know that you are uh, friendly with John Jones and I wanted to know if you believe that he should also be cleared in his upcoming USADA hearing so that he can return to the action this year.
2: I don't know, but uh, um, I love John Jones. He's my young brother
0: and I hopefully come back fast. Now... Anderson, for all of your fans, they wonder questions like this. Which one of your victories means the most to you?
2: The most important for me? uh, Wow. It's my first fight. uh my first title belt in Japan, you know? And um, when I fight for Kurai and Shoto. Because that's the first
0: time in my life I... Uh, I represent my country, and um, that's my first uh, uh, belt uh, when I fight for right in, in Japan. Oh, that, I remember that fight. That's wonderful. And which one of your performances do you think was you at your absolute best? And I will offer, Anderson, when you fought for Griffin... It was like watching a video game. So that's my pick. But which performance were you at your absolute very best?
2: So for me, I think my perfect performance, I don't know I have the one, but uh, uh, me and chill the first fight is amazing because I heard my my reach in the training and the doctor said, you can't fight because that's very dangerous for you. I don't... I don't give the... the... okay for you fight. Don't go because it's very dangerous. And... you know I I know I'm stupid. I take the stupid decision and I fight for, um... um... Chiyo. And that's an amazing fight because Chiyo uh... beating me five rounds in the last fight I just... um... Shut him out uh cheo that's the the grace in my in my life you know that's the great moment memories for me especially she is a good fighter a good wrestler and um you know yeah that's for me is an amazing fight in ufc great
0: great and answer
2: the the, the older ones but that is very
0: incredible one, wonderful answer. I wanted to close, Anderson, just by asking you your opinion of another legend fight that's going to happen between Chael Sonnen and Fedor Emelianenko, and the winner has a chance to become the Bellator heavyweight champion. I was wondering if you were interested in that fight and if you thought you had a pick on who would win.
2: That's very interesting, you know? But uh I put all my my... My money in jail. You know, father is amazing. It's great. I respect. But uh, I
0: believe in show you win. All right, hey Anderson, I wanted to thank you so much for answering the question so honestly and giving me the time. It's been a, a, a pure pleasure, and I really wish you well on your comeback. And I love it when you back. Trust me, you're back, buddy.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, all right. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And thank you. Thank you for giving the opportunity for talking about that situation, especially for my fans. And uh, see you soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.